Hello everyone, I hope you are well. I'm Carlos Carnicero Uravalle and I want to welcome you all to Future is Blue, a series of podcasts bringing together top experts from academia and think tanks to discuss the most pressing European economic and policy challenges of today. This is a Funkas Europe initiative and we hope we can bring new ideas for a more inspiring debate about Europe. As we see a world increasingly dominated by the U US and China economic rivalry, what is the role for the European Union? How can Europe's economy stay competitive and relevant in this new world? To talk about this subject, we are excited to have with us today Joaquin Almunia, who's currently chairman of the SEPS think tank board and former European Commissioner for Economic and Monetary Affairs and former vice president of the European Commission when he was also responsible for competition. Joaquin Almunia, welcome to the Future is Blue podcast. Hi, good morning. Hello, good morning. And let me now uh, welcome Raymond Torres, Funka's Europe Director. How are you doing, Raymond? Hello, I'm happy to join in for this discussion. Excellent, excellent. So perhaps we can start with a broad question here. And um, I wanted to ask you, Joaquin Almunia, what is Europe's role in a world more and more dominated by US and China's economic rivalry? Well, the EU has uh, to learn to live and to thrive under the geopolitical era that we are living in. Uh, Europe uh, was not uh, challenging uh, to become uh, a world superpower, such as the uh, US and China. But now, given that geopolitics are conditioning all kinds of relations, including the economic relations, Europe has to learn to protect the single market that is the European strongest asset from the economic point of view, and at the same time, to be aware that uh, the relationship uh, with the two big superpowers and with other regions of the world, such as the Global South, needs to be built on different bases than in the previous uh, decades. So one of the elements of these uh, new bases for a relationship with other powers is to protect your industries, your productive system, and uh, to build a, a European industrial policy means at the same time to be careful with the strength of the single market. A disequilibria is, uh, is not easy to be achieved. All right, excellent, excellent points to start this conversation. So a lot has changed and Europe needs to adapt to these new dynamics that we're seeing in the geopolitical sphere in the world. Raymond, what is your first reaction to, to this subject? Yes, it's difficult to add something to what uh, Joaquin, who is an incredible observer of uh, European realities, has said, only to mention that um, uh, in this challenge, I think there are, there are a number of principles which are important, One, uh, which, which are relatively new in a way. One is to go from multilateralism, as was the case before, to reciprocity. We still should aim for a multilateral system, so a system of rules which are respected by all actors at the same time, 
But when certain actors do not, do not respect these rules, for example, in the case of the Inflation Reduction Act of the US, where you observe uh, a number of uh, subsidies or other policies which are aimed at uh, protecting and at supporting uh, in internal uh, uh, industry or attracting investment from other parts of the world, we should uh, think about some reciprocity. Uh, and, and that's not easy because it's relatively new. And we, we need to do this at the same time protecting the, the European single market. So uh, it's a bit of a double challenge, but it should be possible. Uh, I think uh, the way forward is not uh, what we have seen sometimes recently, which is to engage in a, in, in a, a, a kind of uh, a, a competition for uh, subsidies within Europe, each country trying to support its own industry and therefore uh, I mean, this may lead to uh, some, uh, uh, I mean, impact on fiscal policy in different countries without much uh, overall effect. Instead, maybe uh, the approach would be to design a European-wide uh, way of protecting industry uh, in terms of reciprocity with uh, other countries. I think that could be a better way of doing this. Uh, and for this, uh, Europe has to in, uh, innovate in terms of instruments is something that we have not been doing in the in the past and therefore is something that is important to do otherwise if we engage in some internal competition for more greater and greater subsidies with among european countries this may, may be really damaging for the european economy as a whole isa i think raymond you're pointing to um to fragmentation in the EU, the EU is not a, a country like, like, like China and USA, so there are certain internal dynamics that are different. And some are saying that fragmentation is the main weakness when we look at how can Europe stay competitive and, and, and have a successful relationship with China and, and the US and be relevant in this new world. So is Joaquin is further integration, the most obvious answer here to be more relevant for the EU? Well, you mentioned the, the word uh, fragmentation. And we are now observing uh, trends of fragmentation within globalization. So globalization will not disappear. I think uh, this cannot go backwards. But we are observing that the globalization is uh, splitting the world into two different kinds of globalization. On the one hand, the globalization around the China's economic power. And on the other hand, globalization among the Western uh, economies, market economies, Western economies. But uh, uh, Raymond mentioned uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. So if our partners in the, our side of, uh, of the global world from the economic point of view, not only from the point of view of security or the sharing of values, of democratic values. So our partner from the economic point of view is using a huge amount of subsidies to benefit the made in America industry. We have a problem because our subsidies in most of the cases are national subsidies. So we have been obliged to flexibilize the state aid control for the benefits of Germany, 50% of the total state aid declared compatible in Europe during the last years comes from Germany. 
around 25% of the, this aid uh, come from France, <clears throat> and only a very, very small one point something percent come from Spain, for instance. So we need uh, to advance the fiscal union in Europe that has uh, political obstacles, again, obstacles coming from Germany mainly, and uh, we need to develop finally the <clears throat> promise of a capital markets union to be able to allocate the huge amount of private resources that will need to be uh, invested and used to strengthen our industries and our productive system. So these are the dilemmas that the EU should uh, decide how to solve it. One way to solve it in the short term for the next uh, three years has been next generation EU with a big amount of resources uh, directed towards our priorities to improve our competitiveness and to improve our strength, uh, climate change, uh, uh, green deal uh, initiatives and uh, initiatives to help uh, further uh, digitalization without leaving the power of the digital platforms only to the US or to the Chinese at the other side of the world. These are the dilemmas. To what extent the EU that next year will uh, <clears throat> initiate a new political cycle with the European elections in the parliament, with a new commission, with a new president of the European Council. To what extent the EU in uh, 2024 will be able to uh, decide a step forward to go beyond the limits, the temporary limits of next generation EU, in my view, is one of the big, big questions to be able to remain competitive in this uh, geopolitical world, to protect our industrial system, to protect our uh, research, or to further strengthen our research capacities, the skills of our workforce, and so on and so forth. And at the same time, not becoming protectionist to try to defend us from the power of the Chinese on the one hand, or the Americans on the other, on the other side. I think this is a big issue for Europe together with the big issue about the solution of the Ukrainian war, protecting Ukraine against the uh, uh, non-democratic uh, Russia and being able to cope with the enlargement of the EU in the coming uh, years or even in the coming decade to strengthen our territory, our European territory <laughs> that is needed to protect, no, but uh, it's, ne it's needed to protect uh, the new risks coming from the east. Yeah? No, I agree with I, I I agree with your with all your points. But the first question that came to my mind is how again we enlarge our area of influence while we integrate further in the directions you were you were presenting. Yeah, but uh, the experience in the in the last uh, thirty years since uh, uh, our enlargement or beyond our enlargement has been that every enlargement has been accompanied with a strength, further strengthening the EU policies, the EU relevance. Yeah. 
given the 2004 enlargement with the new member states coming from the Central and Eastern European countries that were not democracies and so on, have uh, modified the EU, has created new challenges, but the, today's EU in 2023 is stronger than the EU before the last enlargement, the last big enlargement in 2004. And I think we cannot uh, look to the other side of the world without ignoring the need that the Europeans, the European democracies have to uh, cope with the Ukrainian challenge without putting at risk our own democratic values and without putting at risk our own uh, economic uh, model. Absolutely. Um, one of the things, uh, Raymond, one of the things Joaquin mentioned was he, he mentioned the next generation EU funds, which initially was conceived as a response to um, the Europe's COVID economic traumas. But it has the potential to be more than that, and it has the potential to foster further integration and fiscal integration, and, and therefore this would be a way of for Europe to stay more competitive vis-a-vis uh, -vis China, vis-a-vis -vis the US. Is that something conceivable, considering we are starting a new political cycle, as, as Joaquin said, next year there are European elections, there will be a new commission. There are changes in governments. There are elections going in the 27 member states. I said, I said before, we are different when we look at when we look at China and the US. So, how we will put all this together, Raymond? I think the the new element, uh, which in, in this equation is that uh, it's no longer the case that uh, vulnerable countries are all, are always the same. Uh, countries from the south, southern Europe. What we have seen especially since the energy crisis in the war in Ukraine, is that the vulnerabilities are perhaps more evenly shared than, than was the case before, at least the perception of vulnerabilities is different compared to, compared to before. And uh, we see countries, for example, like Germany, and, and indeed, as Joaquin was saying, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the countries in, in Central and Eastern Europe, uh, which uh, probably have come to realize that they, they need the rest of Europe as well, and we see countries from the south of Europe, uh, such as, for example, Spain or Portugal, for example, or even Greece uh, now, where the uh, well, ec ec economic performance is not bad at all. And uh, they are perhaps less vulnerable to these geopolitical risks uh, which have emerged, in, which have become the backbone, in fact, of economic relations, international economic relations. And so that's probably, that, uh, that's an element of awareness which is helping probably the, in terms of the possibility of engaging in, in, into some, some sort of European-wide economic policy going beyond what we have seen, which is uh, in the past, it was mainly rules to reduce the deficit, basically European fiscal rules to ensure competition uh, within Europe with the single market. We need another layer here, another leg, which would be an economic-wide policy Indeed, uh, based on the uh, next generation EU, which I think is a big opportunity, is, is the big opportunity. And uh, I think an element which is missing in a way in the next generation EU, be besides what Joachim was saying, which is to extend this as, as a, you know, uh, intertemporally, you know, with, with a longer time period, would be to, to see this next generation EU, uh, to conceive it as, as a, a set of, at least add, uh, a set of European-wide projects, not not only uh, specific country-specific projects, as is the case now, basically 
we make in Asia EU to add some European white projects. For example, in terms of energy, I think it would be very useful to consider in a, in the next wave of next generation EU, if that is the the proposals for next year, you know, uh, when there are elections, maybe to add uh, uh, some European wide energy uh, project. It already exists, but perhaps uh, making clear the funding which would be available, and not assigning necessarily this funding, you know, at least exempted to any particular country, but to say that we we need European wide project. The same in terms of digital technology. We probably need a European-wide project instead of competing among ourselves to attract semiconductor industries in a particular location to think broader in terms of Europe. And I think something like that would be very useful in terms of balancing, you know, our position vis-a-vis -vis, certainly vis-a-vis -vis China, but also rebalancing our bargaining position vis-a-vis -vis the US, which is our, our natural ally, obviously. You, Joaquin, I was going to ask you how 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 do you convince the skeptics, the usual suspects that are not so favorable to these ideas of further integrating our economies? Well, in uh, in two thousand and four, there were skeptics regarding the direction of the EU project, and in uh, the next year, in two thousand and five, the French and the, the Dutch, so two founding members of the EU rejected the European Constitution. In uh, 2020, there were uh, strong skeptics against uh, the mutualization of debt that is funding the next generation EU. And now, let's see what happens in 2004. Apart the uh, start of the new European poli political cycle, uh, there will be elections in the US. And now we are uh, uh, closer to the US than we were uh, five years ago, after the arrival of Biden, after the pandemic, after the tensions uh, uh, at the geopolitical level, we are much closer to the, to the US. But what if in the November next year elections in the US, there will be a political, uh, turn around and uh, Trump or something like someone like Trump will be elected instead of uh, Biden. This will change the game for Europeans. This will change the game because we will be uh, in between two superpowers and closer to Russia and we will not share most of the values of any of them. So we will need to further strengthen our will, our political will, to gain autonomy, to gain strategic autonomy. And uh, I think this is uh, one thing that we cannot forget as Europeans. I remember when Merkel said, we cannot trust the Trump-US uh, political orientation. She was fully right. The Biden arrival, uh, gave us uh, reasons, good reasons, to forget these fears, but uh, I don't think uh, we can expect that those risks will not appear again. So Europe has to uh, decide a step forward in the integration process. One element I mentioned before, the uh, enlargement 
of Ukraine and other uh, countries, the Balkans and all this, but in particular Ukraine. I, this is not a project that can be uh, made a reality in one year, in two years, in three years, but this is a, a commitment, a political commitment that all the European leaders agreed in the past uh, year and a half, and we cannot forget it. We cannot leave <clears throat> Ukraine outside our radar screen from the political point of view. We cannot forget the possible evolution of the US after November next year to a non-pro-European strategy. Uh, so for me, these are very powerful reasons to push in favor of uh, a more ambitious European integration without ignoring the risks. And the risks live with us because if uh, extreme right uh, wins power in more European governments and uh, condition the main political decision, strategic decisions of the EU, <laughs> we cannot play this game, of course. But I don't want this scenario to become a reality. I am I am fully convinced about those arguments. I think uh, the question is whether they are powerful enough to to some countries that are, you mentioned before, uh, Ger Germany. I have in mind the, the Netherlands, and the reality is that non-European country, no matter how industrially powerful they are, is big enough to compete vis-a-vis uh, -vis China or the US. Only unity can can make us relevant in this new world. So, Raimond, what are your thoughts on on these ideas? Yes, I, I also think that uh, we, we should not underestimate some of our strengths. Um, and uh, when, when, you, when we look in comparative terms, you know, we have on the one hand China, which is in, uh, at, the, at the moment undergoing a very difficult uh, situation with the kind of balance, balance sheet recession. Uh, a lot of uh, debt accumulated over the past uh, years, if not decades. And now this bubble, especially a housing bubble, uh, which is uh, in a way bursting, and uh, it may it may be entering a, a difficult period from the economic point of view, which may actually push them towards uh, perhaps finding some arrangements. We and we need to look for ways to find new new avenues for cooperating with China, and they may be they may be interested in this, you know, because of the situation. In terms of the United States, I think um, I mean there is a recognition, you know certainly in the Biden administration that, uh, uh, but I think in general by US observers that, uh, you know, social cohesion and social tensions and inequalities have uh, reached very, very uh, difficult levels, very dangerous levels. And in Europe, we have neither uh, a kind of economic bubble bursting nor uh, a major problem in terms of, you know, in comparative terms at least. Uh, from, from the social point of view, we have uh, uh, an acceptable inequalities. They have been growing, but uh, still they, they're probably uh, at manageable levels. So we are not in such a bad position in that sense. We just need to adapt to this uh, geopolitical world, I would say. And that's, of course, something that which requires uh, political willingness um, and uh, cooperation among us. But I think it is uh, something that it's feasible uh, within the next electoral cycle in Europe. In our relation with China, uh, there is now a, a slogan by the EU uh, leaders. We should consider China as a competitor, of course, as a partner, because we will need to maintain 
good uh, economic relations with China, besides uh, the uh, problems that we know. And we need to be also aware that the China is a rival, three elements. With the US, we have uh, uh, not a rivalry from the political point of view, from the values, from the uh, concept of a market economy uh, and so on, but we can have uh, tensions from the political point of view if the uh, political orientation of the White House and the Capitol Hill uh, chambers will, will change. And we have uh, competition that cannot be based in the future with the increase uh, of subsidies in both sides, because we uh, express the fears coming from the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, that are real, real figures, uh, fears, but uh, we cannot ignore the amount of the EU subsidies. The problem is the structure and the origin of the EU subsidies that is not adequate to strengthen our main asset from the economic point of view, that is the single market. So this uh, element, I think, should uh, be part of our public debate, of our uh, political debate. And I am convinced that this will strengthen the uh, European relevance vis-a-vis -vis the other two superpowers. We need to gain relevance, not creating more enemies, but uh, uh, gaining uh, strength in our relationship with both sides, the Chinese side and the US side. And this will require uh, uh, to pay attention to the uh, functioning of our democratic systems in Europe. We need to uh, consider also from the point of view of this economic analysis vis-a-vis -vis the future, we will need to consider what are the elements that are creating problems in the functioning of our democracies. And of course, the main risk right now is the populism, the radicalism in the uh, political debate, in the political options that can uh, weaken the uh, European governments and can increase the fears to go further in the European integration levels. Absolutely. Um, such a good di diagnosis of, of what are there are threats and what we need to do to, to stay relevant and competitive in this new world. Raymond, unless you want to add something else, I think we, we're, we're ready to, to close the show. It was a privilege to, to join this discussion with, with uh, Joaquin Almunia. I mean, it's, it's very wise words. And I hope uh, they will be heard, uh, you know, as we come closer to the European elections. I think these are important elements for the debate. I hope so too. Maybe we can maybe we can invite Joaquin after we have a new commission next year, and we 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 recap and see what has changed. Okay. Huh? Okay. Give me <laughs> give me a date, and I will be with you. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so it's much. It's a pleasure to have this event. Joaquin Almunia, who's a, let me remind our audience, he's a, a former vice president of the European Commission, and he was in charge of competition and economic affairs. It's been a privilege to have you all in the show. And Raymond Torres, Funca's Europe Director. Many thanks, Raymond. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Bye-bye, Raymond. Bye-bye, Carlos.
Thank you all for joining. This was all for now. We will come back soon with more exciting speakers on Europe's economic and policy-related key debates. Future is Blue is a Funcas Europe initiative. I'm Carlos Carnicero Ravallen, and if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to recommend it to others and share it on social media. Thank you all and stay well.